Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Land. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, broadcasting from University of British Columbia on the unceded Musqueam Territory. You can listen to us live on CITR 101.9 or on online at citr.ca. For those who are listening to the podcast, this is episode 190. And today, we're joined by... Jay Duke. Hello, hello. And Zachary Adam Eisenhammer. And my name is Steve Pander. And as you can tell, there is somebody missing. He's enjoying the coast right now. The wet, wet. rainy, cold. Yeah, he was tweeted out that it was raining sideways. Yeah. Bailey was enjoying it, but not him. <laughs> um, so uh, he obviously is uh, pumping money into the economy of the Timbers while everybody else is back here working. But to go over the game yesterday, uh, tough loss. A 2-1 loss to the Portland Timbers. After, you know, getting that 2-1 victory the week before over Middle Cascadia. Uh, let's just jump right into it, guys. What are you guys' overall thoughts on the game? I, I found it was actually kind of interesting because the game was sort of similar to the to the Seattle game in a way. And that, um, you know, the away team came and played fairly well. Probably deserved, uh, you know, at least a point. Um, and on a different day could have come, come away with all all three points. Um and and then the the cherry on the top of that was a former player scoring a goal to win the game. So it was kind of a a, a funny mirror image of the game that that, that we had against uh, the Sounders. You know, all things considered, I, I there was definitely some positives to take out of that match. And and one of the big ones for me is that uh, I think Carl Robinson uh, took a, a clever tactical approach to the game. And changed up his system a little to try and and deal with what is one of the, if not the strongest midfields uh, in the MLS. Um, unfortunately, what that means is that we have three generally uh, kind of static central midfielders uh, in the middle of the park. Um, it, but it did it did do its job for the most part, other than a couple moments of of brilliance on uh, the port of Portland early in the game to to really seal the victory early. Yeah, I know. And I think overall you got to think of this game as, especially the first half. I thought it was a decent to good first half for the Whitecaps. I don't think they played horribly, uh, but they were punished for the two mis- the couple mistakes they had in there. And um, I think the if 
and you, like you said, moments of brilliance by especially Darlington Agby. That first goal was just unbelievable shot. Yeah. The, from the distance it went in, the just angle curling, that his body was at to take yeah. the shot was and yeah. curling over, just hitting the post to go in. Uh, Zach, you were there at the game. Um, I don't know if you watched it or you had your back turned to the game. Uh, I saw, I saw bits. I saw the uh, goal. I did see the goal, uh, or, or I didn't see the build up to the goal, but I I saw the shot. I saw it hit the underside of the bar there, and and, and heartbreakingly see it go down and, and in. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it was interesting. It's, uh, talking about, I know formation, we like to talk about it a lot. People like to talk about it a lot. They like to dissect it a lot. They like to anticipate it a lot. And uh, I think, yeah, when I first, when we were, you know, you know, standing there in the section in 223 and someone got it on their phone, oh, this is what it is. Uh, my, my first thought was, this looks very similar to the nil-nil cup match where we had three holding midfielders where Gersh pushed forward as the 10, and and we were looking to keep a clean sheet. Uh, so I, I felt, yeah. even though the person who showed it to me, it would look like a 4-3-3 on their phone. Um, but the other, th- other thing in talking, I think this was your perspective as well, Steve, was that it looked a little bit to, to mirror what uh, Kansas City had done the, the week before in terms of how they set themselves up going into to the match against Portland. So it looked like we were trying to, we looked like, in the analysis of what happened in the previous match, our, our coaching staff said, this seemed to work. Let's see if we can put our own spin on it or own pers- play it in our own kind of way. Yeah, definitely. And uh, um, the one thing I thought about, you know, after the first half, they, they were able to uh, come out of it 2 nothing. Maddox scored the second goal. Um, I think he was just lucky to just have it bounce off his legs and not go sideways or anything like that. He had his legs positioned perfectly. It was a perfect cross, too. Yeah, like it, that, that cross I, was just... I think it was a team goal that yeah. the, that it was an easy... Uh, I think it was his first goal of the, the season I this year. So. Yeah. I believe so, yeah. Nice, yeah. nice little was like a shake and bake celebration. Yeah, yeah. He, I think he wasn't sure if he should celebrate or not. Maybe. Oh no, no, he no. was sure. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> no, because he he did it yeah. and then kind of stopped and then kind of he's like, yeah, I'm doing this again, and he yeah. did it again. He, he's not sure if he's going to score again this year. That's maybe what he's thinking. <laughs> but about. I, I don't know if this was, I don't know, if this was out in the, the ether, or the social media, or whatever. The other, the other thing, not only did he celebrate the goal after the match. <laughs> when the caps were coming over to the away supporters, he came over as well to like thank the away supporters and like clap the away supporters, which I think some people were like, okay, cool, whatever. And I think other people were not super impressed. How, how were the Timbers army reacting to that? Oh, I don't, I, I don't know. Do I've, I, I've been looking on social media. Uh, I don't think they, I don't think they, don't they would care that they won, obviously. So it doesn't make, if they, the, yeah. Yeah, they if he w- clapped for them, if they lost, yeah. then oh, it would have been yeah. different. Well, I, I think I, he then went and collected his log to I, put yeah. in his home or locker or I doubt he would have thrown a forest. If they had lost to one, I doubt Maddox no, would have came over no, for a little no, clap. Yeah. So. yeah. And then after the break, they came back this uh, second half. Um, I thought they played way better, especially the first like 10, 15 minutes. Um, and they were rewarded with that goal too. Uh, Bola was taken down in the box. I thought for sure Montero wasn't going to get to that ball when he, when it was saved, but he got it bounced in. Um, and overall, I thought it was a pretty decent second half. Yeah, we, we fought. We fought back. There was some fight. Uh, I know there's lots of questions about substitutions and timing and options coming off the bench. And uh, the only surprising thing for me on that note was that. Um, Jacobson seemed to be the guy who yeah. was getting forward yes. and being involved more. So it was a, a bit awkward that he was the one who was pulled off when Tony Chaney seemed to be off of it. He, he, he did not seem to be 
as nearly involved in the game as as uh, Jacobson was. So what I hear you saying is that you are surprised that the player who makes the least amount of money was taken off first. Is that that's what you're saying? I, if if all you're looking at is is what are they producing on the field that game at that moment. I would have liked to see Chani be brought out for for Mesquita, yeah. uh, and uh, or Davies and not uh, Jacobson, who was being a little more involved. And that's one of the difficult things, right? Because the one end of the spectrum, you say, okay, let's take AG off because he had some chances, he missed them. The other end of the spectrum is he got in some good positions and he had the potential okay. to... I don't want to pull us too far off off track here, but the, the this is my whole issue with kind of the, how the three man midfield thing worked is that this is about expectations because we have you have to temper your expectations when your midfield is three holding midfielders. If your guys getting forward are Laba, Chani, and Jacobson getting into the box, are you expecting precision strikes once they get there? Um, so as as much as I liked the 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 approach by Robinson, then there we are. We should lower our expectations about what happens when those players do succeed and get into those those positions in the box because they are not dynamic attacking players who can really create something amazing in the box. Yeah, and um, I, I I agree with you there, and and I think that was one of the bigger problems in the second half. They had good possession. But they couldn't get that final pass in, in the. And I think it was mostly for the whole game. That final pass in the final third um, couldn't make that connection. Montero was quiet except for the goal on this. Uh, on the, although he had that really great chance at the. Uh, in the I think it was the seventy seventh minute or something like that when he just made that curl almost into the top corner. And I thought he held up the ball well for yeah. for Jacobson's chance that it was just beyond him. He held up well, played up a beautiful lofted ball over the top to. Jacobson, who was running to that far post there, so I thought Montero was pretty pretty good that game. I thought no, I, I but I you know he had his moments, but yeah. he, but I think he's the kind of player that's going to be quiet all game until he scores a goal or yeah. makes a great play or something like that. But he needs a little bit more support, and I think right. that's you're right there that with two holding midfielders, they're not going to get that uh, they're not going to get that that pass in that final third. Well, and this is this goes to I think some of the. Some of the questioning that people people have about how this works, and it goes back to what we were talking about before with for, formations, right? I forgot to tell this. Michael, we had we had lunch. With Kirk and I had lunch with Michael and Caitlin and Predicta Pooch today, and we were talking about this. And Michael actually said that uh, someone uh, told him that actually, really, it was a four-one-four-one is what they were supposed to be playing. That, that's what? what they were calling it on the on the. I think I listened to it a bit on the radio. They said that, and then when I got home to finally get it on TV, that they were mentioning it too. Okay. That it looked more like a four-one-four-one instead of a four-three-three, and I think maybe that's just the organization they had on the pitch. So when you when you talk about that that pass in the final third, though, again speaking about the, the formation, how everything fits together, and the tactics is. Uh, we had a question about this on Twitter about uh, about where where Bola is playing. So someone I think on Twitter here said, or Joe Deezy on Twitter, cheesy Deezy, uh, cheesy underscore Deezy, said I, he said I thought the the three man midfield looked great, and that the game was conclusive evidence that Bola is a winger more than a uh, center attacking midfielder. Now my only thought on that would be, you're, as you mentioned, we were missing some of that those passes in the final third, which I think. Bola has helped or either created himself, made himself, or made us more able to do that from the center when he's been in the center. But when you're on the wing and you're 
he's a little more tied to the wing. It, it's than, harder to get involved. Yeah, for sure. Uh, here's the thing. I think I think Bola plays good whether he plays on the right or in the center of the park. And um, it, but it was clearly a decision by Robinson to say no. We're going to try and gum up the middle here with with three midfielders in the middle and push Bola out wide and give him free reign on on the penalty that he scored. He was down in the middle of the box. So he was clearly still given free reign to move about as he wishes, which I think is probably ideal for him. Now, one of the things that uh, post-game Robbo talked about, and we're going to get to his audio in a second here, he's, he, he was said he was satisfied with the performance while not getting the good result. So why don't we uh, ha- listen to what he has to say and then we'll come back and talk about it and see what you guys have to say. Because I know one of you really uh, went on Twitter and wasn't was a little bit confused about that. So... Uh, so right now, we got Carl Robinson, and then after that, Freddie Montero, and we'll come back right after this. So what's the override? I overriding feeling after that? I had enough chances to at least get a point out of that game. I think we were the better team. I just said to the guys, and I can't be disappointed with them because I think they put on a very, very strong performance in a, in a difficult environment. Uh, but we didn't take our chances, and, and they took uh, two of the chances. So um, disappointment because we get no points, but really, really pleased with the performance. The way that you lost the two goals, especially the first one, the kind of needless giveaway by Bola, yeah. is that something you'll revisit with them? Yeah, it happens sometimes in football. If you look at every goal that... You can see there's always a mistake, usually by one person, two, three, four sometimes, and it was a turnover, uh, but it's a wonderful strike by the boy, Darlington, so you've got to give him credit for that. It's the edge of the box. Sometimes they beat you. Uh, Unfortunately, we didn't help by giving the ball away before he struck the ball. Did you consider changing it up at half-time to try and go with a different lineup or a different formation? No, nope. I thought we played very well, um, barring the two goals. If we were to come in at nil-nil, I was disappointed we'd come in at nil-nil. Uh, if we would have been coming in at nil-nil, because I think we had we probably had better chances than them in the first half, but we were 2-0 down, and sometimes you've got to accept that, but stick to what you believe. Uh, the guys took on board the, the tactical plan, which was great, uh, and we got back into the game, but we didn't get a bit of luck in the last 15-20 minutes like an entirely different player in the second half than he did in the first. Did yeah. you talk to him at halftime? Did yeah. you motivate him? And a quiet word, yeah, which is always important. Do you think part of his first half was having played the last couple of games in the number 10 that he just was out of sorts? No, Bola's a, Bola's a top player. Bola can play wherever, whether I play him in central or, or wide areas. He's, you know, Sometimes with wide players, they are exceptional. And they have off days, and I think in the first half he was not. He had an off half. In the second half he didn't. He, he was on it. And you know what's important that when your wide players do have an off day, then someone else steps up to the plate. So uh, Bola responded very well in the second half. Explain your your thinking about moving him out wide after he'd done pretty well last week in the number ten. Uh, couple, played there a couple of games recently. Just a, a tactical decision based upon we wanted to try and match them up um, in the middle of the park with midfield players, and and I think it worked. I think you know, you say. They're the most informed team at the moment, or one of the informed teams at the moment, but we've come into the backyard and, and performed very well. So, you know, Bolo, I wanted Bolo on the field, which is why he played on the left. So, where do you go as a team from here? We, we've talked this week about this tough stretch in the yeah. schedule, and you've begun it with a loss. You're now 2 4 and 1. Um, do you feel like there's momentum? Is there any positivity to take from a game that you lose? 
Totally. If you look at the performance, I always focus on the performance and, you know, results come. Unfortunately, in professional sports, you have to lose games and you do lose games. But if you're losing games and not performing well, then that's hard to take. So we performed very well today, but we didn't get anything. So where do we go? We go to Montreal. We roll up our sleeves. We'll be prepared for next week. What would you consider a good haul from these four road games? Well, I would say 12 points prior to this, Michael, but that's not going to happen. So, um, I don't know. Listen, you, you've got to win a couple of away games during the season. So, the more you win, it gives you a little bit of leeway at home. Um, you know, we've been a little bit sloppy at home to start the first two games. We've been outstanding the last two games. Um, and we wanted to try and attack this game. And we did attack the game, but we didn't get the bit of luck we needed. So, we just focus on one game at a time. We'll try and go to Montreal. Difficult place to win. A Canadian derby for us. But, you know, it's going to be up and down during the season. Uh, a tough loss out there. You must feel that the the team did enough to at least get a point from that one. Yeah, of course, it's always sad. Uh, we were looking forward to get three points here, or at least get one point. But uh, yeah, at the end of the day, we are happy that we show uh, good soccer today. I think we played really well most of the game. Um, unfortunately, we couldn't score more than one goal. But uh, I believe that we're going to keep improving and this team has so much potential to give. You're no stranger to Cascadia Cup matches. What was it like for you playing against Seattle last week but then coming into this atmosphere in Portland today? It's always fun to play this kind of game. I say it before, I'm telling you right now, and I'm happy I keep scoring this kind of game. For me, it's just uh, the matter of uh, believing that the team is going to do good. Um, it's a long season. I say that too, and uh, I believe we're gonna make the playoff. And then we all know that in playoffs everything changes. You have two games to keep going forward. It's a tough stretch of games coming up. What, what would you consider to be a, a good haul from these next three road games? Well, of course we play at home the beginning of the season, and we lost. And uh, we need to look away while we lost at home. So that's our mentality. Uh, the next game we are trying to of course go play and show that we are getting better that the way we play here and I'm pretty sure we, we're going to get more points along the way So that was uh, Freddie Montero and the before that Carl Robinson talking about yesterday's game um, a 2-1 loss to the Portland Timbers. Now, guys, um, we, we talked about it before we heard the audio. Carl Robinson talking about happy with the performance. Obviously, he was dis- he mentioned he disappointed with the result. You can't win every game. But, Jay, you had a tweet, like, after you heard, like, I think Michael tweeted that out, and then you responded to that. Um, you had a kind of an issue with that, not for this game in particular, but overall for that sentiment. Yeah, you know, and maybe this was just a little bit uh, of sour grapes after losing a, a important derby match. But, and it was right after the game, yeah. too. But w- w- one of the quotes that he said was, if you don't take your chances, it comes back to bite you on the ba- backside. And um, it's one of those tidbits he throws out a, a lot. And um, it kind of bothers me just because that's the common thing that he, he and many coaches, but he goes back to uh, often is that, well, you know, just unlucky us. We, you know, we're not taking our chances, and therefore, you know, we don't get the goal. Goals change games, fine lines. Well, if that keeps happening over and over, if you're playing well, if you're playing up to, you know, what you think is is a if you're a, a good res- 
performance, but you're not getting the, the results. Maybe it means that your 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 players or your tactics aren't good enough. Um, and and I, I think that's something that we saw. Listen, Portland is quite rightfully one of the best teams in the league. They they have they are uh, have tons of dynamic players. We saw that Nagby with that fantastic goal. Valeri, he's always creating chances. Beautiful cross for that goal. Um, Chara and and Guzman, great. Chara is is one of the best in the league as a defensive midfielder. And, and the Whitecaps aren't there. We don't have that as many players as they do who are as dynamic and as much influent uh, can can influence a game as as well as Portland does. And they were, and that's what happens. So then they were missing Addy. Yeah, they were missing Addy. And that's they're missing Addy. Yeah, yeah. And and so then you guess what? You you you're not taking your chances because you you know your players aren't as good. But there's no shame in saying that Portland is a better team than us, and, and that's kind of what we saw. A por- Portland had I think one. Free kick in the second half in front of the supporter section, and so the the, the caps on tour gathered there. Of course, broke into you know who are you, who are who are you, and I sometimes we sometimes joke like this over you know when we're BC place at home games. I'll sometimes answer that, and so I, w- I let them finish, and then I was just like, um, his his name is Diego Valeri, and then a couple people chuckled, <laughs> and and then I was just like. He's what you call a designated player. He's quite good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I should have yes. said he's what you call a, a, a difference maker. Yes. But yeah, I mean, we talk about this. Every, we talk about this every week, and 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 I don't want to beat a you know beat a dead horse. I don't know if that's a bad saying. I, I don't want to keep on beating the same drum. But if you if people want to talk about the makeup of the squad, if people want to talk about we we don't have the quality that other teams have. That all comes down to the designated players. And, and, and nothing against our yeah. current designated players, but two of them should be TAM players. And that's okay. That, like, that's okay. If that's what the, what the team wants to, to, to put out, well, that's, if that's what the ownership wants and the front office wants, that's fine. But then we can't really have high expectations going into Portland against a team that's been on form so far this year and has one of the best teams in the league. Set your expectations a little lower. So was the performance good? Yeah, it was It was pretty good. Don't expect that if you perform well against one of the best teams in the league away that you're going to get a result all the time because we're not as good as them. Yeah. And that's okay. But I think to, uh, one thing, I think, I think though when people say this, they, they often direct it at Carl Robinson. And to me, it, you need to direct the, the responsibility where it belongs, which is on the football committee, which includes ownership. Uh, I will also. I also want to say this. We were talking about this uh, off air. I, I really think that the games in the last two weeks really show um, how for we, for the squad we have, for who we have here, we really need. And this might sound like, oh, this could be of any team, but I think more so than other teams in this league, we need the decisive moments to go our way. We oh, need sure. we need a deuce to hit to the the crossbar and the post and David O said to make two or three huge saves and we need to take we need you know like in the in this, this the Seattle game we need to take those two chances or two half chances that come our way otherwise we don't have a chance of getting points against the top teams for sure yeah. I know I against do Philadelphia Philadelphia Philadelphia, Philadelphia tr- uh, Toronto some bad example they played. Yeah, you, you know they didn't play that well, but uh, yes, you, you're right against against quality opposition or teams that are playing very well. We we do because we don't have those dynamic game changers that, that I would say against virtually players. everyone in MLS right now. Now one of one of the better players that we do have is uh, Cristiano Bolognese, who um, I thought had a pretty poor first 
half who, and allowing basically started the plays that the giveaways that led to the goals. But in the second half was a totally different player. And Michael had a chance to meet up with him and talk to him about his performance in that game. So let's listen to that. And we'll be right back after this interview. So it's a, a game which team did well. You must feel that you did enough to get at least a, a point out of that match. Yeah, it's like a, you say. Um, we tried to to get one point uh, today. After the you know the two goals, they they got it from our mistake. So <clears throat> we played really really good second half and we created a lot of chances. So I think we are in good directions to 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 play well and to win the games. The, the first goal, the, the ball seemed to be going out for a throw-in, but you decided to keep it in. What, what was your thinking of that? Um, I, I don't see, you know, the, the, the video already, but I, I, I just, it's a little, a little teams, you know, make his, um, that goal, so <clears throat> the second goal too, so it's nothing to say, it's just small teams, um, like, uh, as a team we have to be better, so... Um, but we played really good football all the game with the ball. And so I think this is very positive for us. So we get good confidence. It's nothing to say, you know, to anyone. It's a derby game, so that happens. So in that game, we cannot lose uh, that small things because you can lose the game. So, But we are very happy, you know, about the performance. And the second half, you seemed inspired. It's like a, you were a different player almost between the first and the second half. Yeah. Robbo said he spoke to you at half time. Did you feel yourself that you had a much better second half performance? Sometimes um, you you try to 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 play easy balls, but you, you lose. You know when you, you try to pass close, and sometimes you try to make a assist, and the ball is not the right direction. But every time, try to to at, at least to. To, to make options for the striker, to the midfielders. Um, I never I'd be afraid to, to play football, so uh, that's why I get a good result in the second half because all the time I try to create, uh, uh, I try all the time and I try to do my best, so that's why I think that's why I get the, the penalty because all the time I try to, to be positive in that way, so yeah. Robo said it was a quiet word he had with you. Was it quiet? You know, you oh, we no. feel like a, we we play good, but it's like a more more to be more positive in the in the last quarter for the in the the game. So but we have enough time, you know, to to be better in that that situations so we have to continue to to be better in the in the training um, as a team i think we have more positive positive team today that negative so yeah we spoke last week about how well you've been playing in a number 10 role you come out today and you're on the wing were you surprised at all when you when you no he that? said to me but you know it's not easy when you you change every time you know I played two games as a, as a number 10, so I feel comfortable there. Um, it's different movements. Now, today, I play left side, <laughs> so it's totally different, you know, when you're running, when you press. Everything's different, but um, it's not easy when you change every game, you know, different positions, but 
I try to, to help the team all the time. So, And it's a, a tough stretch of road games coming up now. How, with the points that's already been dropped at home, how important is it to at least get some points from these next three matches? Yeah, <clears throat> um, we can win, we can get some points away at home. So we have a lot of play- players in the squad, so we will have to use it. And <clears throat> I think everybody's prepared to, to play that game. So. Thanks so much, Paul. Cheers. So that was uh, Christian Bolognas um, talking about uh, his thoughts on the game, um, his defense of the mistakes he made, um, and the switching from number 10 to the wide position. Jay, you thought he was taking a shot at Carl Robinson, and a few other people agreed with you there. Wait, did you just call him Cristiano Bolaños? Cristian Bolaños. Sorry, <laughs> he has been good. I would. I watched the. Uh, I watched uh, El Clasico today, so that's why it's in my CB seven. Yeah. Listen, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if taking a shot at at Robinson is correct, but it it, it uh, and it could be a lost in translation thing. Obviously, Bolaños doesn't have a perfect uh, command of of English, but. It, it was a little bit juicy there when he said that, uh, y- you know, it's difficulty that he wasn't surprised, but that he's played two games in the middle uh, and then is being pushed out to the wing and that it's that it's hard because you get used to playing in the middle and then all of a sudden your assignments change and, the you know, the runs you have to make are different and the times that you press are different. And um, I think that's a good point. Uh, I think it's something to keep an eye on, but but truthfully, I, I, my gut feeling is that that was just Bolaños being t- totally honest and and, and uh, maybe not the, as tactful as he might have liked to be, but um, that he was just being really honest. That it's difficult; it takes some time to transition when you've been playing for a few games in the middle of the park, and then you get you know pushed out to the wing again, but. Um, you, you know, what I do think is, is true is that he's, he's a class professional. Uh, he's got tons of experience and, uh, he's, he's easily the, you know, the, the, um, probably the best player on, on our team. Robinson should be able to rely on him to play a couple different positions. Oh, totally. I, I, I don't hear a shot in there. I, I, I hear a person just speaking honestly and, and frankly, I don't think he's complaining. And I think you heard in the, the comment we heard we heard in the comments previously from from Robbo saying we have to have Bola on the pitch. So even though we're doing a formation change for this match, we're looking to get a, a, a an away result. We need him on the pitch to be at our best. And yeah, I think to me all he was making was a statement of fact, not a statement of like, oh, I can't believe I'm being asked to play all these different positions with different runs. I don't, I. I don't think that's how and it I, comes across to I me. I think the way you're saying that we need him to be at our best, and that showed on the pitch too because when he came out in the second half, he earned the penalty. Um, he made some other great plays too. Um, and, no, try, no. and tried to earn a second penalty. Yeah. <laughs> I hope Disco is No, done. but the thing is when he – but he never complained. He never asked – he never put his hands up and, and, and com, you know, com, complaining to the ref for the penalty. He just got up and went about his business. He did get hit in the back by Powell on that play too. True. But I think he was looking for. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think Disco would look at it unless it results in a penalty that affects the outcome of the game. So, uh, even if it was uh, some embellishment there, so I don't think we have anything to worry about. Now, were there any other players uh, that impressed you in the match? I, uh, that that you really like uh, 
took it to another level or where the, everybody just solid throughout the whole match. And because I didn't find any anybody that really disappointed either. There was no like there's individual mistakes and in, in, here and there, but there was nobody that played a horrible game at all. Anytime as, um, uh, you know, I thought they defended fairly well. I thought Tim Parker did well. I thought Lava did excellently. He was pretty solid throughout the game. Tim Parker um, seems to be a name that's called every week now. He, he is. <laughs> it's almost uh, like a... And like we said last week, he, yeah. he may be the best defender on this club right now. Yeah. Um, there was one play when the Portland broke out. Um, I think there were it was a four corner. And Portland had numbers. But Parker, and not only Parker, but Watson actually just tracked back and, and got in position really well. Mm-hmm. Or else it could have easily been 3-1 at that point and I, put the game away. I do think that it's tough to, to um, you know, hail Watson as having a great game when he's Not a great game, but he had moments. He was directly involved in both goals, kind of. It was his marker. Uh, you know, he was, he was the closest to Maddox on the goal, although it was a perfect cross. And yeah. He came out. It wasn't Nagby. It was, he, he, he came, came up to help. To, to help, but yeah. When come. Nagby had already beaten a couple of players, and yeah. their jock straps were all over the field. So in the uh, stands, he, he came out to help and needs to try and push Nagby. Uh, you know, to have a worse angle of the shot. So it's tough to say that he had a great game, but um, you know, I, I of guys who did well, I thought Lava did did uh, quite well in the middle of the, the park. Uh, Tim Parker, I, I thought, did well uh, as well. And, and as I mentioned earlier, Montero, I thought um, when, when he was able to get on the ball, he provided quality. Yeah, it's, uh, Tim Parker, I think, yeah, is having a, a good season. And I know, I, I think for teams, teams who play against us, I think they're always going to have their, as much as possible, their quick, pacey, good with the ball, their feet, good at going around people, try and go against Kendall because he's the taller uh, taller of our maybe a, a slower Tim Parker is one of our fastest players yeah. but Watson's not good with balls yeah. at his feet so they're gonna they're always gonna have that guy they're always gonna try and have that kind of player go at them which they did with Darren which they did yeah, I guess with, with Nagby in, in some ways as well um, yeah I thought I thought Tim played okay I, I think Bola's second half was yeah was was good um I do think um, one of the things to watch that's starting to emerge this season is a bit of a regression by uh, Harvey um, on that goal. It, it was a well-worked goal, the second goal, but um, he, he was fleeced pretty bad by Valeri on, on that one as well. And, and Valeri had lots of lots of space to place that cross. They in. seem to be attacking the right, the left side of so the white that, caps So does that tell you something? That they know something. That does, the, right. Which is... A change from last year. Right. Yeah. It seemed like last year they were attacking. Everyone was attacking the other side. Whether it was Aird or, or or Jordan Smith. So that tells you Shane Williams. They are they are uh, respecting his defensive play and now going after the weaker Harvey. Whereas Harvey was considered the stronger one last year. Yeah. So I think that's something to keep an eye on. Um, I mean, it was like you said, more in individual moments that that they kind of had a couple poor moments rather than an entire bad game, but. For sure, I think it's something that we need to to uh, watch it, whether it develops further. Yeah, I just want, I want to read uh, a couple of tweets uh, from LWO04 on Twitter. Uh, Jay Humphreys, uh, he, his reflections on the game uh, were: "I thought the Caps looked the best they have all season, save for costly turnovers. Still missing swingman in mid. AJ played it well, but case of too many similar tools." With Tony Chani beside him, for me, McKendry needs to look uh, needs a look in that formation in place of either one of them. Oh, definitely, and I, I agree with that. But also uh, talking about that, we'll get to a point we had uh, we were talking about before we came on. 
Um, you had Chani and Jacobson as your two guys high in that inverted triangle. Wouldn't it have been better, a little bit better maybe having a, a more dynamic player like a Mesquita? I'm not saying Mesquita is like a great dynamic player, but a more dynamic player than those guys. Or maybe even put Bolaños in that position or somebody else. Yeah, it, you know, it's, it's. I know you're setting me up for the softball here, Steve, because I've been um, harping on this point for years now is that, um, you know, if you have uh, um, uh, the the four. Two, three, one, the four, one, four, one, whatever formation you want to call it. You have a midfield three. You have three players in the midfield there. If you invert that triangle and you have the just the single true D mid and then two players more advanced of that, ideally you want those two <laughs> players to be, which is what finally happened. Ideally, you want those two players to be a little bit more dynamic. Now, Mesquita is not the not that slide rule pass, you know, critical game breaking type of player, but he's the perfect type of player for that type of system. Bolaños, another one, as we know how how well he can influence. If you were to play a game with either, uh, you know, Laba or whoever you'd like as your defensive midfielder and then have two guys like Mesquita and Bolaños or Reyna when he comes back fit, I, I think you would have a completely different um, style of play through the midfield that that uh, would be much more effective when it comes to creating chances and creating goals. Yeah, because I feel like the the Timbers really didn't respect either one of those guys. And I've, I, I saw a couple times when uh, Diego Chara, who is their hold midfielder, move up and pressure Laba, who was, uh, uh, whether that's what they were doing or not, the, the people on the TV were saying that the Whitecaps were trying to run the offense or run the attack through Laba up the field, which I don't think he's the right player to do that. But I don't think, like like you said, with two players like that, they're not they're thinking, okay, the the whole, the cent- central defenders can handle those guys. Let's push forward and try to create some more turnovers. Well, I think that's why the the play was going through Laba was because yeah. those those two more advanced players were uh, not effective. Whether that's because of their own limitations or yeah. whether that's because that's what that, that Portland defended them well. So now you have the game all going through through Laba, and uh, you know uh, that's not really who you not, want not to be pulling the strings in midfield. No. Yeah, I agree. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow, no, quick no, answer. No. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with what you guys are saying. We we we're not dynamic enough in the middle of the park. That's the that's the bottom of the line, and that's nothing against those three guys: Rusty, Ben McKendry, no one else. Like we're just not dynamic enough, and we've again we've said it all season. Everyone want, can't wait for uh, Jordy Reyna, uh, but yeah. And again, it's in one of the tweets uh, from you know I think White Cap Scarf, who people are questioning his the, his or her identity. They want to know when he's going to let people know who he really is or who she really is. Um, Why let him be who he is? Yeah, true. <laughs> let him be the scarf that he is. Yeah. Um, but no, is is the fact that we do we our needs are uh, things the holes in the squad are another number nine, especially with all the injuries. And a number 10. Yeah, and uh, another thing that was brought up about the substitutions, um, there was no substitutions until the 74th minute. And then that was almost like a like-for-like sub uh, when they took off uh, Teixeira and brought on um, Davies at that point. Uh, and then on top of that, and, and uh, they finally didn't make that like everybody was clamoring for either Jacobson or Chani to come on. You want uh, Jay? You wanted Chani uh, mostly to come off, but they, they and then finally they made that change and brought in an attacker. And then Greg came on even after that. Do you feel that was a little bit too late, or do you think Robbo was trying to get that uh, get get into a draw 
and then keep those holding midfielders on there to preserve that draw and to get that point. They, yeah. they they were playing well. That's yeah. the thing. So it, it's tough to be really critical when when uh, at the time the Whitecaps had the game. Uh, other than the scoreline, had the game by the scruff of the neck. There, yeah. they, they they really controlled the second half. So so it's tough to say. Well, we're going to bring off one of these players, and and uh, the, now in hindsight, they didn't get that second goal. So should they have brought in someone who's a little, you know, more likely to create a second goal a little bit earlier, whether that be a Davies or a Mesquita or 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 a Kyle Gregg, um, maybe that should have come a little bit earlier, but. Uh, it is tough to be critical when, at the time, they were still creating chances and and um, doing fairly well. But I, I think it is a bit of a, f- a fair criticism because in the ground it felt like we could we like in the 88th minute for Kyle Gregg. I know again he's lacking Emil's experience and all that all that kind of stuff. But it but felt, he's getting votes for one of the most attractive Whitecaps on the pitch on Twitter. Uh, no, apparently. Joe Joe was Oh, just, was it just one person? Just, no, Joe Dizzy was just asking. <laughs> oh, okay. Is Kyle Gregg? The, I think it was implied. It was, a, it was implied. He so, thinks he's probably. He's trying to get support for that. I don't. How can you read the tone into the tweet like that? I think he was asking the question. I, all I care about Kyle Gregg is that I can't wait for him to catch on fire, so we can yeah, we can sing song. for him. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I think that it's. I think it's a fair criticism, especially with uh, the second substitution. Like yeah. it was, like, I think, the 88th minute or whatever. No, the second the second substitution was in the 77. Seventh or seventy. No, the minute. first one was seventy-seven. No, oh, no, first one was seventy-four. First one was seventy-four, right? Yeah. Seventy. Okay. So, Kyle, but Kyle Gregg didn't come on to the eighty-eight. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and then when he came on, he they, at that point for some reason they couldn't get the ball into yeah. the box to yes. take advantage of his height. At yes. that point, yeah. it was just like constantly um, whoever it was from the left side getting it to the right side and yeah. then getting it back to the left. They couldn't get it into the box. Some credit goes to Portland there. They they finally in the second half started to put their foot on the ball and slow the game down. Yeah. And the ref was calling lots of ticky tack stuff at that point. And the game was really slowing down, so it was tough for the for the team. But you're right, you gotta give a guy like Kyle Gregg a little more opportunity. You gotta give him enough time to at least get one chance. And and I don't think he had that really. You lumberjack lover. <laughs> So uh, just to you know, sum up this game now. Overall thoughts, uh, just the f- actually final thoughts on this game. Uh, are you guys kind of feeling more at ease with the team based on the performance and the fact that we know that we're still going to get players back in eventually in the summertime, and then maybe we can if we can hold on and play this play this stretch out and kind of get back to it. No, I mean, and this is. Probably me, me more wearing a supporter hat than anything. No, I'm not, I'm not okay that we we drop points in a Cascadia Cup match. We've now gone to second in the Cascadia Cup standings, I believe, on goal difference. Um, very early in this. Very season. early. It's an embryonic table of, yeah. of embryonic tables. Um, yeah. No, we should have got something from this game. Like we based on the performance. Based on the performance. Based on because uh, I think they even outshot the Timbers yeah. in this game. Uh, I think they had 16 shots. Yeah. To Timbers, I believe it was eleven. Yeah. So, yeah, and you've been outshot, got him on most four of them on target. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, we really should have got something from this game. Obviously, we all want to win, but we should have definitely at least got a point out of out of this game. So it's disappointing in that sense. The performance was there. There's some positives to take from it. Sure. Do I feel better about the team? It's, yeah, you know, it's it's one game. So let, we have three more road games. So let's. You know, we got to talk about that. I think at the end of the road trip, I think we got to talk about that maybe more at the end of the end of the month of May and see kind of where things are at. 
Yeah, I, I mean, zero points is tough to to really be super happy about. But what I will say is, I was I was happy that that uh, from Robinson that he came up with a plan that seemed to actually work and that the team performed as he asked them to. I, I believe maybe some question marks about the the subs, but um, generally speaking, the the uh, approach to the game was a much more positive one than than in weeks before. So. Yeah, so zero points from Lower Cascadia, but hopes for the future. So, guys, uh, some other news in Whitecaps land. One of the things that really didn't really pertain to the game itself, Robo was talking about um, uh, new additions. Michael asked him about any new additions, any news of what's coming up. Is is there anything to look forward to? So, I'm really gonna uh, I'm gonna play that clip quickly, right here. It's only like uh, less than thirty seconds, and then we'll come back and discuss that. Any idea of him? I might see any new faces in the squad. No, we're still working on a daily basis. We're hoping, um, you know, we're looking at all possibilities, uh, but we won't rush. We said we've got a good group here. We've got a couple of guys back in maybe three or four weeks. So, with this difficult stretch, it's easy to press, you know, the panic button or whatever in signings. We're not going to do that. You know, a couple of weeks and we'll see three, four players back, which is important. Uh, I don't want to stockpile because I'm not a stockpiler. I want to keep these young players having opportunities. So that's uh, Carl Robinson talking about new additions. Now, does that sound like that he's not going to bring anybody in, or he's just uh, he's just mentioning that he doesn't want to bring in like a you know a ton of players or anything like that? No, I, I don't. I don't think this is any different from what he said before. I know there's been some outcry about this, and there was, we got some tweets about this, obviously asking about this. Uh, I don't. He's not saying we're not bringing in players. He's saying he's following what he has always said about I don't want to block pathways for players. So I'm not going to. We have a couple injuries. I'm not going to bring in players just to replace the guys who are injured short term. Is how I interpret what he's saying. I think they're still looking. I think they're still looking for uh, Bobby. Bobby Leonarduzzi hasn't told us he's looking. Not stop looking for a striker. <laughs> yeah. So we should believe that he's. And probably it's the still, first week of May. I think it's still May eighth. I think yeah. is the date. So uh, I think they're looking for a striker. Uh, some people have talked, of course, about center back depth. Uh, Replacement for Edgar, whatever that kind of stuff, yeah. or another third or fourth option. Uh, they're they're looking. I think he's not like necessarily going to replace Eric Hurtado in where he is at in the depth chart. I don't yeah. think they're going to uh, like. Uh, well, uh, the players he's talking about coming back from injury are none of them are strikers that can play a backup role to Montero that could possibly start on a regular basis, and you feel comfortable starting. So I think that's the one spot that is open. Yeah. Um, all the other spots when people come back injured, like the Yordi Reina as the number ten, um, Breck Shea is another winger. Is there up? Is there is there an update on Breck Shea? Not really. I, not think, that I, I thought he was doing jogging and stuff, and I was like. Sounds it might have been light jogging. Yeah, I, I, think I don't think he's... The, the tweet was that he, uh, Levis, and uh, one other player were were jogging, but uh, that Jordy Reyna was not. That he's still in a walking boot, so that he, Reyna is still oh, quite a long way away. Jordy Reyna against the uh, Sounders was in a walking boot. Then that's just a week ago. So yeah. I don't think that's going to come off too quick. Brett, 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 I'm pretty sure is not going to be match fit until July, from what I've heard. Also, one other small note from from this weekend's match is. We're in the stadium, and the keepers are the first to come out. And so Spencer Ritchie came out, and like, so my first thoughts were like, is Paulo starting, or is Paulo not on the bench? Um, so you know, we got word later that Paulo actually just had a niggle, little niggle in training this week, and I think sat out a training session, but was in tr- full training by the end of the week. But they decided just to put uh, Spencer Ritchie 
uh, on the bench just in case today or, yeah. or yesterday. Yeah, uh, back to Steve's original point, I, I do think that the, the obvious choice is going to be a striker. They, they they still need a second striker because they really don't have one at this point. Breck Shea is not the answer if you, even if he was healthy. Jordy Reyna is a long way away and has been pigeon, uh, been earmarked rather to to be uh, placed as number ten. Uh, and realistically, at this point, they, they don't have the cap space to go out and really get an impactful number ten or something like that. Anyway, so uh, I, I think the best we can hope for at this point is to to get a uh, quality backup striker that could be used, uh, you know, in a different formation, maybe to play alongside a, a Montero. And uh, and and if something else falls across their lap, they'll take it for a depth position or a, or an option. But um, that's really what they're looking for. Now, I'm not spreading any rumors or anything. This is just like speculation on my point. Uh, I think uh, Tiba Hutchinson's uh, Turkish team, Besiktas or whatever, Besiktas, Besiktas, they, they were eliminated. I think from the uh, Europa Cup. So harshly on PKs. Yeah, uh, but so but the fact is that maybe there is a chance. I, I don't think there is, but maybe there's a chance. Maybe that's what they were waiting for no. to see if he got eliminated. Because no. I don't know where they are in the table. No. Oh, you think it's still summertime if he comes over? I, if he he's, comes, he's not coming. You never know. No, I, there's been too much talk to know to think that he can't say he's not coming. Oh, there's a, too much smoke, basically. Oh, but do, I think do certain a, people want him here? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, but I don't think he's coming. I, I think that a lot of that was predicated on the fact that the league stated that they're willing to to pay transfer money for Canadian internationals as well as American. And then well, when they found the out how much it was. Yes, when the <laughs> negotiations started to come, and they said, "Oh, well, Besiktas is going to want five, six million. I don't see them asking that much. That uh, seems like a lot for a thirty for the octopus, three-year-old. Uh, he's he seems to be well, well liked. Oh, really? So okay. uh, you know, and and he is relied upon quite a lot on that, and uh, and they're negotiating from a position of strength. So why yeah. wouldn't they ask for five million? And really, in European dollars, five million is not a whole ton of cash no. for, for an impactful player. So I and when that came down, and the league probably said, "Well, we're not paying that. We'll pay a million. You got to pay the rest." And then I think no the chance. rest is history. So. No chance. Uh, another piece of news at that point. Oh, sorry. another piece of news that hit on on on. It wasn't a Whitecaps player. It was a former Whitecaps player. It was a tweet. I think it was Saturday. It came out Saturday morning. Yeah, Hasht- Saturday, hashtag Saturday morning. Saturday morning. Um, it was from Kakuta Mane. Uh, basically, and I'm paraphrasing here because I don't have the tweet in front no, of me. All, what oh, it said, what front? he said okay. was... You, you, it's probably ingrained in your memory all right he now. Said, <laughs> all, From what I remember, all it said was rock bottom, hashtag Saturday morning. Yeah, and that, and essentially uh, you see the um, the tag. Yeah, it was geotag yeah, um, in Ohio. Ohio, yeah. and, and I think uh, Columbus was in New York at yes. that point. It, well, New Jersey, to be oh, fair. Oh, New Jersey, yeah. sure. Harrison. Yeah, interesting, and especially on the heels of Greg Berhalter calling into question his um, f- his fitness levels or his dedication to to fitness, what what have you. Um, he, he, he quickly deleted the tweet. He did, and he there. came out and made a statement shortly thereafter about he tried to clarify later yeah. um, that it, that the tweet was only in <laughs> reference to having a tough day at a really hard training session. Yeah, so there, there, Nathan Vanstone got a hold of him and said, <laughs> "Delete the tweet." Yeah. And you got to tweet something else yeah. because this is not good. It certainly doesn't pass the smell test. Like it, no. that certainly has the appearance that uh, there is some sort of um, a bit of a blockade between he and and Greg Berhalter right now, uh, and and the, the the staff at in Columbus and whether or not he's uh, becoming a, a, a 
part of that club's um, plans in the immediate future is is kind of up for question. So no one has talked about. I haven't heard anyone talk about this being an issue with in relation to his previous injuries, which I think a number of people I've heard a number of people I think we've talked about even a little bit here are concerned that those will cause him issues again in the future. All that's been talked about is, like you said, the Burhalter quality not being match fit. Which, like, do you think it has to do with his ankle? No, I'm not. No, I'm. I'm saying no yeah. one has said that. So let's yeah. assume that it's not. Yeah. So then it's like, okay, if he's not match match fit, like he was playing when he was here, or he was playing a little bit when he was here. I know he got benched a little bit, or he was a substitute. Well, well against San Jose, he didn't. Obviously, there was an issue with match fitness. If he couldn't play defense, and maybe that was the reason he couldn't right. play defense because he couldn't right. get back. But so that makes you ask the question: Where like? Do, does Columbus have higher standards for match fitness than we do? Or, or Vancouver's more desperate to play him because they had yeah. nobody else? Well, and, and now once they, had, once they saw Alfonso Davies playing at this level that now they, here, they could afford to the bench him? Here's why that's an issue, I think, is because um, Vancouver was playing a lot of players that weren't match fit, including Montero was playing when he wasn't match fit. Apparently, Tony Chani has been playing while he's not been match fit. There, you know, there's, there's well, been Tony Chani just hadn't played games. Okay. That's, yeah. all I'm saying is that throughout the season so far, especially early, there's been a lot of players who were 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 struggling to get into to proper form. Part of that's normal beginning of season. Why it's concerning is because this was the same issue we had last year with a number of players who who came into to camp and were not well, ready to to start the season. Manny last year was off coming off an ankle injury, a serious one against Portland. And they have the had bad luck yeah. with that. Like yeah. you know, they've had a ton of injuries already this yeah. season that they that they can't have expected, but it is becoming a bit of a trend. And not a a very concerning one. Like a very not a, very not a concerning one. A very concerning yeah. one. Like it's Okay, this season the only the only player that that's been talked about uh, that came in not in ideal condition was Bola. Other than that, I haven't. I don't think I've seen or heard anything to indicate it otherwise. But yeah, with players, I think most of our injuries this year though aren't related to f- fitness, really. Right? When you look what happened to Shea, was how he went into the tackle, right? Like he went in, he opened up his foot, and the other guy went in harder. Uh, the was the metatarsal for really? Jordy, right? Yeah. Um, and you called that on the live show too oh, that time. Yeah, and Eric, Eric uh, got hit by the or the keeper. You know, like the, the, those ones are not those are not fitness related. I the would point say. I'm making though is that if you're still playing, because even when he came, when Tony Chani was had not played any yet, and he wasn't match fit, and Montero who hadn't played and was not match fit, when those players come in and are still getting major minutes on your team, whether it be 45 minutes or not, maybe that says something about the rest of your team. Who is supposed to be match fit? I think that more is about the quality. And to be fair, Tony didn't start his first game. Tony came on as a substitute in his first game and did, I believe, did training post match with the rest of the guys yeah, who didn't, he didn't, did. didn't go the full 90. So he hasn't been, he was thrown in. And, and, and yeah, so, I, and I don't think everyone else has been thrown in either. I think they, they paced people this year pretty well. So that, that's enough of that. The, we, we, know, we traded him. Um, it was interesting to see that tweet. Uh, well, to see it's interesting because of, uh, people from Vancouver and social media and other podcasts are, are wondering. I basically said, Columbus, you got screwed. You got an injured player. Yeah. And it's not 
Not I'm again. I don't, I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying it's yeah. injury, but it, it's totally plausible that it is. Though. Yeah, and yeah. so if you're Columbus, regardless of if Tony Chinese done anything for us, you lost three hundred thousand dollars in allocation. Yeah, so you're you must be extremely I, I, frustrated. I personally don't think it would be ankle. Like I don't know about how MLS works, but if somebody comes with an injury on a trade, that trade gets usually uh, revoked. Um, teams can usually say no, we don't want this guy now because he's injured. I think it has mostly to do with fitness. I think if fitness is the big issue. Um, I think, I think uh, the, like I said before, Robbo wanted, needed him to be on the pitch, whether to sell tickets or because he didn't know if he had other, other options. And then when he Alfonso Davies impressed, I think then he saw maybe I don't need him and I put him on the bench. And that, maybe that led to the trade at that point. So um, en- enough of Kakuta Manny. He's traded, like I said. He's out of our hair for now. Except, except, best of luck except, to him, though. except if he gets uh, re-signed, he, we get a first rounder. Yes, if he gets yeah. sold off, we get uh, money for that. So, so maybe, maybe, maybe him, we want him to get better. Yes. <laughs> no, but maybe we want him to get better so he gets re-signed. Is that better than him going to Europe right away? I, I don't know. It depends on if you want a draft pick or you want a. Uh, it's gonna be a re- late. Uh, Columbus is doing really well. I think it's gonna be a late pick, anyways. Regardless, yeah. I think we can all say we hope that Kakuda doesn't feel like he's on rock bottom for much longer. Yes. Well, for, for both for the club, for, for the benefits of the club, but also for the player, just yeah. because he, he seemed to be a genuine guy that, that you've got to hope for the best for. Except for sure. except when Columbus comes here in September. Then hope, he can be... I hope he scores three in a 4-3 in a four, three, three loss. Like, yeah. yeah, okay. <laughs> now, uh, Columbus coming here. Uh, Vancouver won't be coming here for still a little while. Uh, next week, they're going to Montreal, uh, facing another um, rival. In, in especially the, over the years, a Canadian yeah. rival. This just seems like they're playing everybody right now to start off the season. Back, TFC. Back to back, to back, yeah. Well, no, TFC, then they, then they played in uh, Salt Lake, um, our weather rival. And then uh, uh, and then basically now Seattle, Portland, and, and Montreal. So it's, it's, they're, they're hitting everybody at once this year. Does, does Montreal have any dis- difference makers? I think they have a few. <laughs> there's, there's at least one. <laughs> the young kid seems pretty good. Tabla. Oh, the Canadian, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Canadian. I'm not sure John if he Jackson wants to Jackson Hamels uh, oh. has popped in a couple, three three goals. He's, he's been rumored to be going on loan, or being, yeah. and then he did, and then he pulled this off that. Yeah. And then, um, so what do, what do you guys think about that match uh, going forward? Um, how do we match up against them? They, they came back and beat uh, Philadelphia. Who's awful. Yeah. But they still, and we, we drew them, so yes. <laughs> it was actually at home. Um, we we so, were awful that day. Yeah. So basically. Or uh, we weren't good. We were, yeah. were not Great, are they? So, what do you guys think about Montreal and what our chances there are? I, I honestly thought that this was a. Uh, I thought they could maybe surprise and get a uh, get a surprise victory in Montreal, based on you never know when it, we play each other. Yeah, you never know who's going to win at the well, game. Well, before we talk maybe about the result, how do you think we're going to go out in that match? Like, do you think we're going to go out with a, another? Oh, actually, uh, yeah, Jay's. Uh, uh, Corrected me. They came back and drew. Yeah, uh, Philadelphia did come were, out big. They were down 0-3, though. Yeah, and ca- yes. came back and scored three goals for the, for the draw. But but, but it's, Philadelphia is awful. Yeah. Um, but so, how, how do you think we're going to go into that game? Are we going to go in with a uh, trying something? Uh, our last two away matches, we've been trying something other than what we play at home. Yeah, we tried a three-five-two. We tried a four-three-three or four-one-four-one. Yeah. So that's uh, to me. That's going to be. I'm looking forward to seeing what how we. Lay out our stall for that game. Um, it's an away match, so I expect them to be focused on defending, keeping a clean sheet, and trying to take some chances on the counter. 
Yeah, I, I think they're going to probably revert back to uh, the the tried and tested four two three one with two holding midfielders and probably Bolanos moving back centrally. Um, I, I think the Davies to the bench was just uh, he, he was looked like he was getting tuckered out uh, a little bit. He's been playing a lot of soccer. He's still a young kid. Probably just give him some time to sit on the bench. I think you'll see Davies come back in uh, to the starting lineup uh, in in Montreal. Uh, and I think another one of the big keys that is going to be really interesting is that uh, Ignacio Piatti seems to be uh, back on form. And so talking but about... But he's not going to be going up against Fraser Air. Talking about, yeah, Jordan Harvey, uh, who has been, I think, everything that, that Montreal does goes through Piatti, and he starts on the left. It'll be a real good test uh, for for Williams, um, assuming think, he starts. Do you think they switch Piatti to the right side? That'll I, be interesting to see, but I highly, I doubt, I, I doubt it. it. No? Yeah, Based I doubt on it. Yeah, what I've seen from Montreal. I don't think they're – with, with Piatti, I don't think they're concerned who he goes up no, against. They're no. going to go after anybody, yeah. right? I, th- I think I think it'll be a great challenge for Williams, and I think I think his season's kind of like been on an upward trajectory kind of yeah. the whole time, so hopefully it keeps going. Yeah, I think they can I, – I still feel like they can – this is a chance to get some points. Although now that, you know, the way today went and, you know, Minnesota beat Colorado – um, uh, which was surprising. One they're, they're ahead of us on the table. Yeah, now. I know. Minnes- uh, Colorado could be for the taking the week after too. So I, I think the if the Whitecaps play the way they played against Portland and get a little bit more luck and cut down obviously on the mistakes, which seems obvious, and you know I'm going to make another one and score more goals than the other team, <laughs> uh, they can definitely pick up some points in these next two games. You know we have had success in Montreal in the past. Yeah. Um, whether it be draw, uh, I think what was it two two draw last year. Uh, in the in the Voyagers Cup, and then um, even what a couple years back, uh, he sh- he sh- who shall not be named Camilo, three um, 0 baby, who who dominated that that game, which that was I, I was lucky to be at that that match. That was, was beautiful. It was a fantastic. Day. So we've had some success there oh, for sure. Uh, Colorado, looking a little for, more for, we have had much less success there. It's always a tough place to play. You're right. I think this is the match that you want to go out. Uh, I don't for, know if Tim Howard's back by then, too. I'm not sure. I think he might have. Might have served. a three-match ban? Yeah, three-match ban. So I don't know if he'll be back by Vancouver. No, that, that would be his third. Yeah, that would be his third. So that would be his first game back. Yeah. I wonder if he's no, going to no, no, appeal he won't be back. that. And this oh, week was his first. This next week is his second. Oh, whatever. Yeah. I think. I think we'll figure that out. Uh, for sure, though, the Whitecaps have to prioritize this game. Um, as we mentioned before, they they need to try and pick up some points here so that once they start getting healthy, yeah. bring in a striker, another striker, hopefully get Jordy Rana healthy, get Brett Levis back into you know if if uh, to help out on the left side. Um, they're going to need to pick up some some points. This is one that you have to put your eye on and say, here's a match that they should at least be hoping for one point in. Yeah. Yeah, I think Montreal. We 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 need to get something from that match. Uh, I, obviously, I think I think again, like I did with with Portland away. There's a chance for us to take all three, uh, but but a point away would would not be. The and it is worst a rival thing. game. Uh, you know, I don't know if I would call it a derby game, but it, it certainly is a rival. I wouldn't call it a derby game. No, I, I would call country. it a derby though. A derby, of course you would, because um, you're soccer I just, hipster. I just give you. But, but it is a rival game, and and those do have a little bit different. It, it, being away doesn't seem to matter as much against a team like Montreal, against a team like Portland, against a team like Seattle. Um, so I think it's going to be an interesting match for sure. Uh, then going into Colorado, for those who don't know what we're talking about with Tim Howard, 
If you don't know, you should Google, look it up. But basically what happened was Colorado was playing away to Kansas City. The the fans who in Kansas City's nice little stadium there are kind of right on top. Right on top of you. Were expressing their displeasure, expressing themselves towards Tim Howard. As is normal in the whole footballing world, Tim Howard expressed himself back to them. And then apparently – He crossed uh, the line. Well, then, <laughs> and then apparently they had an altercation. <laughs> he had a bit of an altercation at the end of the game or whatever. So he got a th- – was it th- I think three-game three ban. Three-game yeah. ban. Yeah. And then the players' union came out and said, this well, is – Sporting's problem because they yeah, didn't control so this the is, crowd. What is MLS's – this is MLS's problem. Poor security, fans not – fans not – Following the fan code of conduct, which, yeah, this th- sometimes I think they think this is like, uh, I don't know, games for kindergartens or something. But yeah. like things are going to be said. Like it's it's a sport. I don't know. It's a sporting. I'm not. I'm condoning it. I'm not yeah. saying that should happen. But that's the, that's the reality. Here's my question: Where where has Tim Howard played before? England. Yes, he's you, heard much worse. Do you think he's heard similar things uh, in in his playing oh, days? I don't think Tim Howard. I don't think Tim Howard should. Uh, should should re, should have reacted the way he did necessarily. I don't think uh, I don't think these fans necessarily did anything horrible. Uh, I just think it, the whole situation is kind of interesting. Plus, we have had to bring it home. We have had some people at BC Place who have used colorful language and been kicked out. Yeah, which is a little bit crazy because if you do that, the, you think the stadium's empty now. Yeah, the stadium's gonna. There's plenty of blame to go around in this one, yeah. and, and I think Tim Howard deserves plenty of it, and and likely so do the security apparatus apparati apparatuxes that uh, are in place. Security to, force, yeah, because it, it, you know a fan should never be able to directly engage with yeah. with a with a player. I haven't seen any. I saw the video. Uh, clip, I don't know. I saw either. the video clip of them yeah. having a go when he was like. In, at his, you know, at his post, fine. which is which fine. Is fine. Yeah. It, like they should be even, able- but it's also fine for him to give it back. Absolutely. I mean, if you talk yeah. about, talk about history of football here in Vancouver, right? That was one of the greatest parts of, yeah. of, of Swangard Stadium was you were, or first sorry, for some people, that was the greatest part of Swangard Stadium is you were right on top and you could, everything you said, the players could hear. Yeah. Whether it was Preston Burpo or, um, uh, Peter Byers or oh, Matt, Matt. What was the keeper from Montreal? Matt Bush. No, that's the new, the current guy. I forget his name. Matt, a Romanian goalkeeper. Matt, Matt, whose whose wife's name is Laurie. <laughs> or a certain Romanian goalkeeper that played in the PDL for the right, opposing exactly. team. Exactly. Well, yes. I don't want to discuss any more about that. <laughs> exactly. Right. Like that was you could. You, uh, but the thing about football that's great is, as supporters, you feel whether it's. Only in your, in your only real in your heart or real in reality, you feel like you have an impact on the game. I, I obviously believe that you do have an impact on the game, and that was one of the tangible ways you 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 could have an impact by getting into the head of the keeper or a defender or or whatever. So the fan did his job in this case. In one sense, I think because again, I don't condone. I I don't condone her. I don't think yeah. that's not my you, personal you approach a, to support. But you need to stop short of of physical violence and you know racism and and homophobia, that, that homophobia and that sort of thing. <laughs> but beyond that, um, right. Zach is laughing just at something else. He's not laughing no, at homophobia. No, sir, I'm not sorry. I'm laughing. <laughs> just want to make sure Michael, everybody knew that. Michael just tweeted <laughs> Matt Jordan and his poor dog Dutch. <laughs> I can't remember the stuff about his dog. All I remember is. 
Devin Rocliffe would just bring. Oh, he, he, he was the researcher. Basically. He would do all the research yeah. and come to games with. We, had, we would be chanting people's phone numbers, <laughs> all about their about their family. Like who, for PDL players, he would have the GPA of the player, <laughs> and, and and we'd be like letting him know what his GPA was, and he needs to get better at school and everything like that. So it was it was he was definitely the researcher of the group. And it was awkward because Matt Matt Jordan and his wife had a website, like a family website or something. So. Yeah. That was that was mentioned a little bit. So um, uh, obviously we were talking about Montreal. We got into this stuff, uh, but uh, quick prediction: What do you guys think uh, what we're going to get against the Montreal Impact? Well, how much impact will we have against them? I, I'm going to go with a two-two draw. Oh, I was thinking maybe I'm going to go two-two draw with. Uh, I think Davies is going to get a goal uh, because I believe in the young man. And uh, I'm going to say Montero keeps his hot form. So th- that's those are my side bets. Um, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. I hope, hopefully we get at least a draw. I was thinking 2-2 as well. But just to be different, I'll say I'll say 2-1 for us. Because I want to be the... What's your prop bet? Oh, uh... Give us another bet on the side. I agree with you on Davies. I'll have Davies and, um... I'll have Davies, and if Bull is in the middle, I'll save Davies and uh, the Bug. Okay, good. Yeah. With 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 um, with um, if he's fit, I think he's fit. Mancuso scoring for the impact. I got um, I have impact losing to Whitecaps one nil. I think they will get a clean sheet out of this one. <laughs> I think they'll play very set uh, defensively, um, and I think the guy who's going to score is going to be Tim Parker. I think Parker scored nice. on a set piece. He's overdue. Again, he, he, scored against, he scored against Montreal in the cup final. I, don't, yeah, I, don't, I, don't I think we're, we're already again. 20 minutes over as usual, but I do want to point out that uh, that set pieces have been another uh, real dreadful uh, uh, point of late that, it uh, just against happened Portland. Late, yeah, Portland it happened. Parker especially. Yeah. I mean, he's a big man who can head the ball. He is way overdue for for to pop in a goal. For sure. Okay, they, okay. My side my side bet is that Robbo will be wearing a turtleneck. Oh, oh. turtleneck. Turtleneck. Wow. I don't think. I think he's going to. I think he's going to go. How Euro. cold is it going to be? I don't know. It's got to be like eight to three odds or something. I think it'd be a, a thin turtleneck, maybe wow. with a gold chain. Maybe I know. A, I'm maybe, lose that bet. maybe just a dicky. <laughs> thin gold chain. <laughs> <laughs> a yeah, you will with lose a gold that. Chain. Lonely Island. Actually, if he does have a gold chain, you won't see it. But um, under the no, no, you have to wear it over the turtleneck in order to be cool. Um. Maybe he'll stop at like home hardware on the way and just like possibly some, some some bird feeder wire or something to hang around. Oh, uh, I can't remember what I was going to say about Montreal, but uh, Michael did message in just to make, remind me about. If Matt, he's so Matt, concerned about the show, he should be here, Matt, and not vacationing in Oregon. Matt, he reminded me about about Matt Jordan's dog by by uh, sending in the tweet just simply hashtag Korean barbecue. Uh Okay, uh, and Matt Jordan, of course, is in. I think he's still like the GM in, at the Houston Dynamo. Possibly. So we go uh, Montreal, then Colorado, then and, Houston. And Houston, then Houston is Houston is so, the one I'm more concerned about. That's the one we never get anything. So at. let's. We'll have another tweet from the Pitt Meadows Maple Ridge uh, region. Uh, at Greg Mayer says, out of the three games away coming up, Montreal, Colorado, Houston, how many points would you expect, and how many would be uh, con- would we be content with? I would say I would love to get three going. I, I wanted overall six points from these five difficult games that we were talking about in the in that um, podcast where we were talking about going forward in the season. Out of these five, I was expecting six points, and I'm hopefully we get those six points, whether it's three draws or or one win and two losses. 
I think out of the five games, I wanted nine, right? You wanted nine, yeah. Out of nine, so we got three. Yeah, three so far. So, so you need you need Montreal I, I need and a, Colorado. I need a Montreal win, and then yeah, and Colorado, Colorado or Houston. I, I think three would be the minimum. You would hope you would hope that you can you can get a win uh, against either Colorado or uh, or Montreal. But like we said, I wouldn't. It wouldn't shock me to to get one one maybe a draw against one of those two teams. Houston's on in, in form right now. One of the best teams in the league and best one of the best in the West. Uh, and we don't play well there to begin with. So it's a it's a tough spell here. By the end of this road trip, we could be near or at the bottom of the Western Conference table. Zach has another tweet. Oh, and so, yeah. In terms of the Montreal game, uh, the scarf one to give you some. Uh, Perspective: Parker has two goals in the V's Cup, one in the Champions League, none in MLS. He's overdue for an MLS goal. Oh, for sure. And it has to be Timmy time very soon. And uh, AFTN, <laughs> AFTN Canada. No, no points. Uh, <laughs> just wants to remind everyone that he said uh, no points. Oh, he uh, said no points against Seattle too. And, and then, that, changed, that and then changed it to one. So mm. we're all very optimistic. Hashtag yeah. optimists union. So uh, that's a that, that'll be it for us tonight. Um, Wait, no wavelength? No wavelength. Can thank, we sing a dirge God. together? No, I don't want to. Oh, it's man. too late. Um, so uh, before we get out of here, uh, remind the listeners where they can find you at online. You can find me on Twitter at jay underscore duke, and occasionally writing for AFTN Canada. On Twitter, it's at Zachary Am. I'm a part of the movement Curva Collective. And you can find me at Whitecaps Beat, and as and obviously you can find Michael when he's here at AFTN Canada. Um, you can find, like Jay said, all our stuff on AFTN.ca. And so again, this will be it for us tonight. Thank you for joining us. And before we go, who, say, who wants to do the? You got to say, take care. Okay. Take care and- Take your end. Why do we have to this do is, exactly what is, he says? This is exactly why we need Michael here still. So. <laughs> Just to do the end bit. <laughs> Maybe we can get him to pre-record Can we record it. this? Yeah. Okay. So take two. Everybody, take care and mon the caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.